Grace and peace and mercy and love from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that his comfort will be upon your lives, upon your families, upon everything that pertains to your life. I ask God and intercede on your behalf and on my behalf that in his great mercy, God will perfect everything that pertains to our lives, to our businesses, to our marriages, to our children, to our families. May the Lord engulf you in his love. May God put upon you, anoint you with an oil of gladness against the spirit of heaviness. May God prove sufficient in all your needs. May God indeed shine his face upon you. Father, I ask you that whoever has tuned in today, whoever gets to watch this video, may their lives be brought to you. May you draw them to yourself by your grace. May your drawing power induce in them a pursuing power. May they follow Jesus, whatever the cost, whatever the trial, whatever the affliction. Ask for mercy, Lord, upon us as a nation, as individuals, as families, as marriages. Ask for restoration, for wholeness, Lord. Ask for healing for those that are sick, I ask, Lord, for courage to those that are discouraged, for those that are discouraged. I ask that, O oh Lord, may you at this moment fill the places wherever we are, in the cars, in our homes, in our offices, with your presence. May your presence engulf us. May we feel your embrace and your love. May we feel your words of comfort. It shall be well with you, my child. And so this day, Lord, we look unto you for everything. We do not turn to any resource, but we turn to you, our eternal source of good, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. May I once more greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to remind you again that life is indeed a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift that God has promised. It's a gift that God has given. But as we have come to know life is also a gift that the enemy can steal and life is a gift that can only be eternally secured in Christ Jesus over the past weeks we have looked at the devastating effects of death and yet the hope that is held out for us the eternal hope that is held out through the cross of Jesus Christ. And today, 
I want to dovetail on what we spoke about last week. Last week we had spoken about dealing with the death of a loved one. And that in that space of grief, we must find God, our eternal and ever-present comfort and help. Today, I want to try and ask one of the pertinent questions and answer it as best as I can. It may not necessarily be the answer you have for yourself and you may not necessarily agree with my answer. But as it were, it is my conviction about the question. Should we fear death? Are we supposed to be afraid of death? So, let me read first from the book of Philippians chapter 1. And Paul is the one man who has faced death as we had already alluded to over the past few weeks of our charts. That Paul had faced death at many levels. And we can get a better perception of what it means to face death from him. And I'm reading his convictions about his eminent death, how he thinks he must approach death. This is a man who, when he writes to Timothy, he says, I, I, I have ran the race, I, I, I've, I've fought, I've kept the faith, I'm at the place where what is left for me is the crown, the crown of righteousness and the crown of victory that Christ will give to those who waited patiently, faithful and with hope for his coming. But he's now admonishing others in the light of his own experiences in the face of death and in the eminence thereof. He says in verse 20 of Philippians 1, I'm reading from verse 20 to verse 30. I hope you have the stamina for it. It says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient grace, or rather courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Christ will be magnified and glorified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Life for me is not loitering and lazing about and being apathetic in the kingdom of God, but is a fruitful labor. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart. In other words, I desire to die and be with Christ, which is better by far, by far in comparison to staying around in as much as life here on earth is fruitful toil for the king and his kingdom. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, so my staying is not necessarily essentially so for my benefit, but for you. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your, boast, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves 
in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus in a manner of people who know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and in the gospel we have a hope of eternal life held out to us because of Christ that in the gospel there is no other way by which we can be saved except through Christ then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened, without being gripped and paralyzed by fear, without forgetting that we have not been given the spirit of timidity and fear and cowardice, but the spirit of love, of power and a sound mind. In any way, do not be frightened in any way by those who oppose you, whether they threaten you by death, by oppression, or whatever manner of trying to stifle you from preaching the gospel. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And your suffering may lead to death, as it were. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Should we fear death? The answer is mostly hypocritical or less thought through for most of us. My answer, which I say you are free to disagree with, is that a capital no and a small letter yes in that order. Whilst most of us would say no, and rightly so, many will actually find out when they stand before God that they are no was a wrong answer for the eternal ramifications. That you should have been more concerned about death. And this is because in salvation, we have justification and sanctification. We are perfected in Christ, and yet we continue to be perfected in this life and so it is as we ponder death we can give a definite no to fearing dying to fearing death but we must also give a suspensive a conditional yes to it a, sus a suspensive condition means unless a condition is met or is actually completed there is a hanging matter let me make it simple when you buy a house they will say your purchase of the house is suspensive or has a suspensive condition that is whether you receive the money the loan to purchase 
which means if you don't get the money, the offer to purchase falls through. In this case, our offer of life does not fall through. But our concern about our death must stay depending on whether we would have completed and fulfilled certain conditions that allows us to not be bothered by death. It should be clear that in our relationship with Jesus, what we are now is what we will stand before God as. You won't stand before God as the person you had intended to become. You, you won't stand before God as a person you had hoped to become. You are going to stand exactly as you are. In other words, your shortfalls won't suddenly disappear. They would come into play when you have to account. Death, therefore, presents us with both the privilege of being with Christ in our, in our eternal bliss with him. There's no suspensive condition for a child of God. There is a suspensive condition for an unbeliever. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So you come to God, you want to spend eternity in his kingdom, in his bliss, in a place of eternal glory, the suspensive condition for you is accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But death also presents us with a certainty of accounting, of giving account for the life we have lived, what we have done here on earth. Therefore, it is to that fact that I say we must give a suspensive yes to the fear of death. We say yes because death will terminate, will seize all your activities here on earth. All that counts towards your eternity. You cannot change beyond the grave. So from the onset, it must be clear off the bed that when you're dealing with death, you are dealing with the only phenomenon that's going to stop everything that counts in your favor in eternity. In other words, all that you wish to do cannot be done beyond the grave. So... Let's read from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, from verse 10. The admonition that we want to bring as a base to be more concerned about death, not because you fear death from a place of you dying, but for what death can take away from you. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever you, your hands finds to do, 
Whatever you plan, whatever you dream, whatever you hope for, whatever your priorities, your responsibilities, whatever your purpose here on earth is, whatever your hand finds to do, do it all with all your might. Do not procrastinate it in other ways. Do it, do it timely. Do it at an opportune time. For in the realm of the dead, in the grave where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. So all your divine ideas, all your brilliant, innovative idea comes to naught beyond the grave. What are the implications of this verse for us? Number one, death will rob you of all you procrastinate. Everything that you procrastinate, everything that you do not nurture now, anything that you do not prioritize and put in order, death will rob you. Because death ensures that you don't have a tomorrow to do the things you procrastinate today. Death closes the tap of anointing. Of any good you could have otherwise done. We carry the anointing in this body. Wherever you want to go and preach, whatever you want to do, whoever you want to lay hands on, whoever you want to pray for, wherever the anointing from your life would flow, death will close that tap. Death ensures that time is not redeemable. It is the only phenomenon, as I said, that makes everything in your life cease. Paul says to us, redeem the times. But the times can only be redeemed by those who are alive. Beyond the grave, death ensures that time is no longer redeem redeemable. Death will steal all that you have procrastinated, as I said. Therefore, fear death only as a thief. Because it will steal what rightfully belongs to you. It will steal what God gave to you today that you thought you will take tomorrow. Death steals opportunities. It steals ideas, relationships. People who have lived their lives and taken their opportunities like Paul. People who have pressed on and have taking on everything that God. Those people are the ones who have fulfilled the suspensive condition. They have no concerns. They can say, I have ran the race. I've done what I needed to do. I have no regrets. Paul says to the Ephesus elders, he says, I am, I, I am innocent of all men's blood because I have not withheld any good. I have poured myself out. Your conscience, I want to remind you again, bears no fruit for correction beyond the grave. Your conscience won't speak to you anymore beyond the grave. And for you and I, whose consciences are still accusing us about our lukewarmness, about our, our prayerlessness, our apathy, our disobedience, our sense of nonchalance, our neglect of our spiritual lives, where your, 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 your soul still wishes you can pray, you can go and to the presence of God. The Holy Spirit tries to wake you up. You say, no, I want to sleep. For you and I, whose consciences are still saying, wake up and do God's will. Death is still a worthy opponent 
to be concerned about because beyond the grave, your conscience will do nothing anymore to correct you. If procrastination is the thief of time, then death is the termination of all opportunities. Therefore, death must be reckoned with. Death must be thought of seriously. The Christianity that you know, the Christianity that you believe in your heart, the Christianity that you believe that a disciple of Christ must live like, the very one that you are postponing, the very one that you're saying, I'll do this tomorrow. Let me attend to my business. I will attend to God's business tomorrow. That very one. Death will steal from you. There are things that we are not afraid to do. That we should do, but we have not done because of all kinds of excuses. There are things you can just do. You can start a business. You can. There are things that you keep saying, oh, I'll do it, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. But death will steal at that opportunity and death will ensure those things that never get done. There are things that we are afraid to do, that we need to do, that we need to master the courage to do them. Things that will bring us great victory. Things that will make us live a legacy. Things that will make us good ambassadors of the kingdom of God and help us to serve the human race better. But death will ensure that we never taste victory in those areas. Therefore, I'm saying to you and I, to fear death is not to fear to die, but to Put the right attention on the things death has the ability to take away from us. Our relationships, our responsibilities, our priorities. May I add that you will regret the most when death has struck, you will regret the call you postponed to making to your loved ones. You will regret the grudge you held against the person who soon died before you reconciled. The request you refused to give to someone when it was in your power to do so. You will regret what you postponed to do, what you procrastinated. And death took the opportunity of your procrastination and stole from you. Therefore, let the unpredictability of death teach you to treasure, teach you and me to treasure the things we should whilst we can. We can only treasure what God wants us to treasure whilst we have life. Death is a deadline where all your dreams and preoccupations will suddenly and promptly cease. For that matter, be concerned about death. Don't just, don't, I'm not saying, you know, you, you, you must fear death to the point of trepidation. 
I'm not saying in the face of death you should shake out of fear. I'm saying the agency of what you have to do is attached to the reality of the fact that death can overtake you before you do it. The next point I want to attend to is our response towards either the death of someone or someone dying or how people tend to react. Let me read again in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2. It says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of every man, and the living will take it to heart and solemnly ponder its meaning. It says it is better to go where there's death, because when you are living, you will solemnly, you will think, pond about what you have just experienced with a view that it could come to you anytime. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, from verse 4 to 6, it says, But for him who is joined to all the living, for him who is still alive, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die. So the Bible attests to the fact that you and I watching this video, you and I, even me preaching, know that we will die. But the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Now listen to this part, because this is where I want us to come to. As also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished, nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So most people, when they, we have lost someone, the emotions of grief overcomes so many of us such that we become suicidal and we think killing ourselves will take the pain away. No, it won't. What rather we should do, number one, whilst we are living and there is hope for us, let us redeem the time and take the opportunities to do what we should do, nurture what we should whilst we can. Number one, nurture all your relationships. Take time to spend with your loved ones, make the calls, make the time to go and see them. Write the SMSs, do the videos, do what you have to do so that you don't procrastinate what could have been done. I love what Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes speaks a lot about death anyway. In Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9, it says something that I find very interesting, which is applicable, although, although it's spoken in context. It says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. So I can say enjoy life with your friends, with your colleagues, with everyone whom you love all the days of meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Life is meaningless when Christ is not the center of it. And the, 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 the writer, purportedly Solomon, was addressing a life that is meaningless without God, where you have 
amassed everything and Jesus tells you what good shall it profit you to gain the whole world and lose everything. It says when you have work and you have everything, don't forget to enjoy. Don't forget to enjoy your wife, your children. Because soon that work will be terminated by death. He says, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Enjoy, nurture and nurture your relationships. Number two, remind yourself that our love for one another is only effective this side of the grave. Their love for you will be God and your love for them will not be felt. So love people whilst you can when there is hope. In death, we are not a collective. We are not families. We are not spouses. We are individuals. And what does that mean? It means our purposes in God do not cease with the loss of loved ones. So when we lose loved ones, our response should not be to withdraw from living life because in living, we are fulfilling our purposes that never dependent on the presence of our lost loved ones. And again, I choose not to be insensitive, but I want to be frank. Sometimes the truth is, in that place of deprivation of human interaction. We can experience God at a deeper level. The Bible tells us that John was exiled to the island of Patmos. History tells us that it was after they tried to kill him, boiling him, doing all these things, they exiled him to the island of Patmos. There was no interaction. Maybe if there were other people, they were also grieving people. They, 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 maybe they were slaves, but there was no family. There was, but in that place of loneliness and grief and, 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 and a sense of neglect and hatred and rejection, John says, I saw him whose eyes are like blazing fire. I saw Jesus. When there was no man, when there was no comfort from every other person, the psalmist says, when my mother and father, if they abandon me, when friends are gone, the Lord will bring me closer. And so sometimes in that place of grief, if only we get closer to the Lord, we will realize that we can know him deeper because we are no longer dependent on other human beings. Next, pay attention to the life you are living. If death is not to be regrettable, Ensure that your life is purposeful. Ensure that your life is meaningful. Ensure that God, Christ, is the center of that life, that the, the glories of this world have not consumed you, but that everything fades. It loses its glitter and glamour in the face of the one whose hair is like wool, whose feet are like burnished bronze. And, Paul, and John says, when I saw him, I fell before. When you see him as he is, let your passion and obsession center on the one person, Jesus Christ. Make life meaningful. Be reminded 
that the value of life is not in its, in its length, in its duration, in how many years you live, but rather in a meaningful relationship you have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Let me go to the last point that I want to highlight for today. That big no. Why shouldn't we fear death? Number one, because Christ died to take away the fear. So when Christ has taken something away from us, we must always fight, endeavor to get that freedom. Anything that is the enemy of the cross, the devil has no right to put on us what Christ died on the cross of Calvary to remove from us. When you read in Hebrews chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 14 and 15, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, speaking of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. The power of him, death has its power, the devil has the power of wielding death. But when Christ came, he took away the ability of the devil to wield power over us by using the power of the fear of death. He says that is the devil. Why did Christ do this? He did this to free those of us who all of our lives were held in slavery by our fear of death. So Christ wants to set us free. So when you grapple, when you are scared of dying, then you must realize that you are still falling short of the revelation of what Christ has done for you, your redemptive reality in him. Seek him in that context. Number two, we shouldn't fear death because we live in the sovereignty and the goodness of God. God loves us and God would not allow stuff to happen to us that have no eternal benefit for us. Unless we have moved away from his will. Therefore, the point of it is, whether we live or we die, we belong to God. And in him, whether by life or by death, he, our death, he will be glorified. And if that's our obsession, then his sovereignty matters. His sovereignty answers all things. We no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. And if we die, we die in him and for him if need be. Death can be gain for us. That's why we must remind ourselves. Paul said it. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If it at any given point, the suspensive condition of death being gain is Christ being life. If life is not Christ, then death is a loss. Therefore, you and I must ensure that Christ is life.
We must not fear death because death is not, does not have a final say in our lives. It does not have a final say in our eternity. Because in him, Christ, we live, we move, and we have our being. And in him, there will no longer be dying. For he who is in Christ can die no longer. We must not fear death because we are promised resurrection. Christ speaks to Lazarus' sister. Man. He says, He, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall be resurrected. He shall not die. Even though he may die, yet shall he live again. So in Christ we know that death is defeated. When we know that this is the end of, it's not the end of us, but it's ushering us into the eternal glory, then we celebrate resurrection power. Then we celebrate knowing that this body shall be sown as a dying, decaying, physical, natural body, but it will be resurrected as forever living spiritual body, glorious one. We must not fear death because when we are in God, our death is precious in the sight of God when we are in Christ. It says in Psalm 116, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Death ushers us into the eternal presence of Christ. Death can shorten the days of our lives, but cannot erase the eternal significance of a life well lived in Christ. If you have lived well, Death can never take death away from you for all eternity. Let me read this. In 2 Corinthians 5, I'm reading from verse 1 to 10. It says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, if we die, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan in this body, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this body, in this tent, we groan, we are being burdened, we face afflictions, trials, and tribulations, and grief. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body 
and to be present with the Lord, well pleased to know that we have lived well for him. And when we get to him, death will only usher us to a commendation. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That is something we can look at death and say, mm, if you can just take me there, provided we would have lived for Christ. Therefore, we make it our claim, whether present or absent in the body, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive. You see, that's another thing about death. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Life is precious. One of the things I said as I learned is that you can only pick up a child and put them at their on your bosom when they have fallen and cry and you can only say to them it shall be well my child if you know the future and god is the one who knows the future he's the only one who's gonna pick you and me in the midst of our pain he says it shall be well abraham knew that because God when you read in Genesis 15 verse 13 listen to what it says I'm reading it in the Amplified God said to Abraham know for sure what is God doing he's declaring the end from the beginning he says know for sure that your descendants will be strangers they will live temporarily in a land Egypt that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. And then God says, but I will come. And the time came when he said, I have heard the cries of my people and I have come. Are we crying? Are you grieving? Are you having questions? Are you feeling depressed? Are you feeling down? Are you feeling lost? Are you feeling neglected? Are you feeling a sense of hopelessness in the face of everything that you have no control? God says, I knew. And I have come. I've heard your cry. And I stand and I knock. When you open the door for God to come? We don't have to fear Let's rather be more concerned about how we live for God. We don't have to fret. But for him, who does not know Jesus, who does not know his love, his mercy, and his grace, for you who said, I hate God, may I admonish you, death is a serious threat for you. And for you who live a double standard life in God, may I warn you and encourage you, get your life in order. To live is Christ and only death is life again. Can I just pray 
we will finish off next week with Christ, his life, and his victory against death. Until then, ponder this idea to live is Christ, to die is gain. We're hoping to have an interactive session, hopefully next week, where we can, in an interactive way, speak about what we have chatted on over the last few weeks. So if you can join us, then the link will be provided next week. So let's pray for you. Let's pray for me. Let's pray for the nations of the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you that death in Christ is defeated by life. That death in us is defeated by Christ. And that the fear of death has been uprooted. I pray right now that by your spirit you may remind us we have not been given the spirit of anything, of anyone, of any situation, even of death. We have been given the spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart full of wisdom. That death does not catch us off guard and therefore cause fear but that we may be wise in how we live in these last days, that we may shun evil, fear the Lord, that we may redeem the times and do what needs to be done whilst we have an opportunity to do so before death can overtake us. I pray for the ones who are listening that are living double standard lives, who are clinging to earth but proclaiming Christ with their mouths, Lord, may you convict them to get their lives in order. To lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily entangles and to run the race of this life, these afflictions around and about with perseverance, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I pray for those who don't know you, some who hate you, some who despise you as a white man, as a Jewish person, some who have their own Jesus, I pray for your mercy, Lord. You want every man to be saved. I pray may their hearts be softened to the gospel of Jesus. May they know Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. There's no one who can come to you except through him. Have mercy. Put it in their hearts to know the way to salvation is to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And to this eternal blessing, Lord, I commit them, Lord. I pray, have mercy. Have mercy on us. Reveal yourself as a comforter, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.